Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. Welcome, my friends, to this episode. I'm joined today by Pastor John Hallowell. Uh, Pastor John and I have done ministry together for over a decade now at Zoe Church in San Juan Capistrano, but John has been doing ministry many, many more years than that, 35 years, I think. Um, John, welcome to this episode. Thank you, Dave. It's an honor to be here. Uh, so, John, one thing we want to be doing when we are sitting down together, we're going to be talking as pastors, talking about concerns of ministry and things like this. I thought maybe we could start with how we got into ministry and how we are approaching ministry, maybe what kind of started this off. And so if we could maybe start with um, your story or your kind of calling to ministry, how you got involved in ministry, uh, when did that happen, where did that happen? Maybe we could get the ball rolling. Sure, Dave. Well, it uh, started back in the late 1970s, and my wife and I, my wife Kathy, 40 years, um, we were attending a unique church in San Juan Capistrano, Dana Point area, and it was Calvary Chapel, Dana Point. And it was a rather small church at the time. It was about uh, 300 people or more, but it was an extremely uh, community-oriented church, pastored by Chuck Smith Jr., and uh, it, it was um, just a wonderful experience for me. I had come to the Lord in uh, the mid-1970s and knew very little about anything, and at that time, the church was going through a real, almost sort of a ref, reformation type of period for Calvary chapels. And, and I, I've reflected on this before, and I think it's one of their strengths, that because Chuck Smith Jr. was the son of the famous Chuck Smith, uh, he had a little bit of license and leeway, but he also had a kind of an edge to him that he wasn't just going to accept the... Uh, the growing popularism of Calvary Chapel. He questioned everything. Mm. And he, uh, he basically introduced the salt of the word to a very preachy group of people, the Calvary Chapel clan. And he was quick to um, uh, just always insist on what did the word really say and were we really doing it? And so for my wife and I, we got an extremely important um, education out of that. We learned the Word, and we learned the Word in a, in a detailed way, not a slogan way. We looked at uh, every nuance of Scripture that we could understand, and uh, we learned a lot. We, we learned the hymns. And later it would become an important part of my life that I could worship the Lord without air guitar, and, uh, and, and, you know, I knew words that were actually expressive Rich of deep, deep soul things. Yeah, right, right. And uh, uh, so every, every uh, Sunday night we had a hymn night. We would learn the hymns. Wow. And uh, Chuck Smith Jr. would take us through the hymns, and, and uh, we learned a lot of hymns that way. So we had this small church environment, and 
And for Kathy and I, we were a little bit younger than the bulk of the baby boomers. And so... Early, we, tw- early 20s or... We were early 20s, yeah. yeah early to mid-20s. Okay. Um, and... And uh, but we were loving the community, the the uh, the, uh, the the commitment people had to each other. Uh, the, it was more of a small group community feel, much more than you get in normal Southern California. Uh, anything, and it was it was pretty powerful uh, for us. There was a lot of training going on all the time. Things were were happening, and we were we were deeply involved. Um, I was the, the treasurer on a volunteer basis, oh, and money soon, man. soon yeah. became an elder. <laughs> and it was because we were uh, we were doing computer stuff then, early computers, uh, C- CPM. Was in computers at the yeah. time. You were working in computers at the yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to going to Cal State Long Beach and double majoring in classical languages and math with computer science uh, um, secondary Obviously. Uh, major. <laughs> Wait, why classical languages? Uh, because it was my goal to learn New Testament Greek, and uh, and then the Indo-European uh, Sanskrit was also part of that, and ecclesiastical Latin was the third language. So and those this three is, uh, languages. Long Beach, uh, Cal State Long, Beach, Long Beach. State. Yeah, yeah, and so um, we were kind of thriving there. The church was thriving, uh, and thriving in a in a very personal way. Mm. We were going along really well that way. Uh, a couple kids came along, nice. <laughs> and uh, and then I started to uh, hit the wall personally. With uh, I was working at a computer job shop in Garden Grove and traveling uh, 40 miles a day, and and uh, started to uh, pray and ask the Lord if if uh, if I could keep uh, running <laughs> in the way we were running through life and. Uh, I got a job offer back east at uh, Raytheon Telex Corporation in, uh, in Massachusetts, 1984. There were some circumstances around it which were very uh, divine answers to prayer. So uh, Kathy and I prayed about it, and uh, we, we took the leap. We moved our family to Massachusetts. To Boston, Boston area? It's Boston area, yeah. 40 miles outside of Boston, okay. a little town called Franklin, right off the edge of Rhode Island there. Yeah. Providence, <laughs> Rhode Island is just a few miles yeah. away. And so I started my um, career there, but I, I always, um, you know, I, I did Bible studies at work. Uh, people came to the Lord one by one in these little lunchtime Bible studies. Had and, you been leading a Bible study at... Calvary Dana Point? Yeah, I was, well, I was doing the singles ministry okay. and uh, very involved with uh, the leadership of the church in the, in the sense that I was, even though I was uh, still really young, I was an elder and mm-hmm. had a lot of responsibilities and stuff and basically was just always active in the, in the ministry type things. So we were there about nine months and then I got a call uh, and and the call was double. There was a physical call. Uh, they, were, they asked me to come back to California and join the staff at uh, Dana Point Calvary Chapel because they were going to purchase a bowling alley and become a mega church. Oh, wow. And uh, All hands on deck. So uh, my role was supposed to be <clears throat> that I would do exegesis and hermeneutics and help with Bible preparation, or help with sermon preparation for Sunday morning, and I would be an assistant pastor. Now, wait a minute. So you have been praying with your wife before this for uh, the right job and the right timing of certain things, and you discern this call to 
Boston area to this job at Raytheon. And was it hard to leave the church? I mean, obviously part of that move is you're leaving this church where you're an elder, where you're a treasurer. Um, was that a really difficult thing to do? Oh, it was brutal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, there was a, there was a significant, uh, increase in pay, which is not why I left, but, uh, that did not compensate for some of the feelings. Uh, when I remember flying in there, uh, first of all, we moved the day after Christmas, the movers came, boxed up our home, (laughs) took us away. (laughs) And then we flew (laughs) out there and I can remember it was like right after New Year's or the day or two after New Year's and I'd never seen winter. Uh, and so, you know, we land in, in, uh, Boston and, uh, we get a rental car and we're driving through the countryside and it, and there's no leaves or anything. It's just like trees with that look like sticks you know barrenness cold and death and uh, but there were blessings along the way uh-huh. I, I do remember the deep feeling of what have i done <laughs> and uh it, it was a uh, kind of a uh, kind of a, a strange thing but the lord blessed us a couple of days later it was the the warmest uh I think it was December 28th, now that I think about it. It was the warmest December 28th on record. Nice. It was 78 degrees. So within a couple of days, you know, I got my arm out the window just, in the car. And, you know, it's just like California. You know? Yeah, just like California. But, uh, no, it was, it was um, in some ways it was really difficult. Uh, in some ways, and, you know, you being a, a New England uh, guy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, uh, you know, we were, we were uh, kind of living a little bit of a dream. Uh, we we weren't afraid of driving, being Californians. So the weekend came, and we'd go up to Vermont, New Hampshire. Can, uh, we'd go out to places, go to garage sales, nice. you know, tag <laughs> or, sales. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome, <laughs> and 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 uh, we never grew tired of that. But uh, we missed uh, everybody deeply, mm-hmm. and that was very difficult. But then. Uh, nine months later, I did get a, uh, an offer to come back, and uh, and and it was almost as hard to turn around and go back as it was yeah. as it was to leave. And so, when Kathy and I were praying, we we uh, our, one of our concerns was our kids: would they be able to grow up in Southern California? At the right. time, we had two. And uh, you know, uh, you know, not to turn this into an uber spiritual. Uh, testimonial. No, no, no. It is my testimony. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the Lord did assure both of us separately that our kids would be okay if we, if we trusted Him and came back to serve. But I had I had friends in I had gained friends. Uh, Kath and I inten- attended a vineyard in uh, in Framingham, Massachusetts. Ken Gullickson was there, and uh, one of his uh, lead guys. Um, was was a friend of mine. He was mastering in Greek, PhD in Greek at Harvard. Hmm. Uh, he told me not to come back. He said, "Do not wow. take that job and go back." Uh, he said that uh, I would do exegesis and and uh, and and tell them what a scripture meant, and they'd chop my head off and fire me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really wants to know. Nobody really wants to know what the scriptures say, <laughs> and. Uh, and Greg, man, he laid it on me. That's so, intense. you know, it wasn't an easy decision. Right. 
And uh, when and, you talk about just the concern for your kids, you're just talking about just the way California, just consumerism, just all the stuff about California that. Well, uh, specifically Orange County, yeah. California, yeah. the materialism, the sexuality, the drugs, yeah. uh, the world, the devil and the flesh. <laughs> you know? How do you prepare yeah. kids for that? You right, know? right, right. So, um, you know, we basically, uh, you know, the Lord basically assured us that. He would be there for us and that we would we would have the wisdom as parents to get them through this and and so we we answered that call but but for me it was a stepping out of um, uh, IT related uh, computer ministries and full-time into uh, Christian service and so we came back and this transition was underway from the small church we had grown to know and right. love now all of a sudden we were looking at everyone trying to discover how the church growth movement would be applied in this new giant facility so that we could fill it up with thousands of people and expand the kingdom of God. And did you, I mean, you know, we, we can look back in hindsight and have certain perspectives, but at the time, did you feel any reservations about, about those moves? I mean, you're agreeing to sort of part of that project by moving back. Um, being a part of that team as they're entering into that phase. I did not have any reservations. Um, and what it's given me is a perspective of, of what, because I actually, in my m mind's memory, I have two different communities of faith that mm. I can see. Mm. Uh, what happened after the uh, uh, after Calvary Chapel Dana Point became Capitol Beach Calvary and a mega church, mm -hmm. and before when it uh you know when it was more or less a small church with a with a very healthy thriving community mm. and uh so and and i don't know that uh i don't want to give any wrong impressions here uh i don't know that that everyone involved with the with capo beach calvary didn't have some reservations at times mm. and look back and go why did we do this right. uh, why did we do it like we did it so i, I mean i wasn't like uh, you know, it wasn't something obvious to me. Can you explain, so your role as an assistant pastor, but it's not a role that I've heard very often before, which is you're not, uh, you're not preaching, so let's say Sunday mornings, or um, you're teaching maybe a Bible study, but you said you're, you're basically called to be the person who's doing the research and the exegesis of the passages that then get preached. Is yes. that right? Yes. Okay. And had... I mean, was that something you had done previously alongside uh, Chuck Jr.? Like, that's not a role that they talked about in seminary, for example. They were no. This was totally uh, Chuck Smith Jr.'s idea that uh, that there would be research into the scriptures, uh, and and it gets back to this idea that that Calvary Chapel was thriving and was was very popular, but was it true? Mm. <laughs> was it uh, you know did it accurately teach the scriptures? And so the desire there was to apply uh, all of the skills of of language and exegesis and hermeneutics. And so I would uh, we would he and I would sit down every uh, Friday afternoon and and hammer out basically a sermon that he would then take from there and, and polish it and deliver it. And then after a number of years, uh, it became obvious that we had more material 
from the research that we could cover in a Sunday morning service. So mm. I started a Sunday night Bible study, which at first was the was the rest of the story. Oh, that's not interesting. to uh, cheat Paul Harvey of his line. But, so, um, so it would it would genuinely pick up as like almost like a part two or an elaboration of the Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. it was, and it was called Going Deeper oh, specifically. Okay, okay. Uh, specifically, and that was uh, Chuck Smith Jr.'s name for it, uh, Going Deeper. That was the original intent that it would. It would deal with anything. It was very interactive. People could bring their questions and ask, and very contemporary that way. And it soon became one of the uh, one of kind of the uh, uh, go-to place for those who were in the big mega church who who really desired to know the word. Right. They would, you know, that percentage of them would come to Sunday night. Now, if at that time you were already, I mean, Chuck Jr.'s taking the word that seriously, not taking for granted that you already know the word or that you're going to stick with the old formulas or anything. Um, so the Sunday morning kind of thing for mega churches, as I understood them coming much later in the day, was that it was this big net casting, pretty general sermons, topics that would reach any number of different types of people, but would tend to avoid uh, going very deep at all in order to not scare away seekers, right? Uh, in order to be seeker friendly. But would you say, in those early days at least, because of the way you're carefully working through uh, even just the Sunday morning sermon development, was it like typically seeker friendly still, or was it, did it have its own flavor because of that focus? Yeah, our, um, <clears throat> our approach was not what you just described. Okay. And, and you're the seminarian, so uh, I, don't, <laughs> I, I, don't <laughs> I don't question your good. understanding. Um, okay, so the seeker sensitive stuff that that came into our version of this megachurch ministry was around uh, certain things, like you could have coffee in the lobby and bring it in. Right, okay. uh, you would have music that, that wasn't the hymns. It was more like a club-style music, and that evolved over the years also. Um, there were mega community events. Uh, uh, the Easter in the Meadows was... was right. Capo Beach Calvary's uh, casting of net, you know, right. a rent Irvine amphitheater and have the Easter service there and draw thousands, draw 10,000 people. Right. Okay. But the, the, the word, uh, the, the word part of it was designed to be why we brought them in. <laughs> We, we gathered them so they could hear the word. You weren't trying to get them somewhere else to really get it. Uh, That's correct. Right, okay. And, and there, there is a slight, slight uh, qualification to that. We would take contemporary uh, issues, and we would use that to introduce the sermon text if, if the text allowed for that contemporary situation. For example, uh, there was a time when we were uh, doing a series where... Uh, there, there was a story in the news about uh, these street kids in Venezuela who were living in sewers and, and uh, parents didn't want them. And, and, you know, what an injustice that was. And we introduced our, our sermon with that. Uh, I would be out there searching the headlines trying to find applicable uh, things that, that described uh, things that we were going to address in the sermon that the text related to, and then we would introduce the sermon with a, co with a contemporary or a cultural issue that people may have been aware of, 
listening to the news or hearing the news. Uh, in that particular sermon, uh, there were two people who, uh, uh, who um, John and Shannon Hazlitt, I think their name was, they started a full-on lifetime ministry in Venezuela. Wow. And uh, f- from hearing that connection to that. Right. And uh, so, you know, um, the, it was it was a different type of of outreach. It was never intended to change uh, the word, uh, but through the years, um, it did um, it, it did change slightly. Uh, we did become more of a uh, uh, more of a um, seeker sensitive church then. Were there obvious, I mean, again, to try to cast back to what you remember maybe, but were there obvious moments where it was clearly turning or was it so gradual that it was turned by the time many people were aware of it? I mean... Well, I I don't know. You're specifically asking about the exegesis and hermeneutics and Where the, the focus starts to drift away or, or thin out a little bit. It's, the word is no longer the... I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, um, but obvi- the early distinctions are that the word is the goal. Well, I, I want to be I want to be careful when I say this, but yeah. uh, in my mind, there there was a gradual transition where the pulpit was replaced by the music stand. Okay. Uh, literally, the preaching would be done from a music stand after a while. Ah, okay. And uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> but there was more figurative than that. Yeah. Uh, of when I when I first started there, uh, when you filled in for Chuck Smith Jr. preaching. Uh, you sense that the word. I mean, you sense the honor given to the yeah, word. You yeah. know, you were like the man because you were going to teach. You know, yeah. and then in uh, the final years, I was there. I was like, yeah, who's this guy, man? What's <laughs> How come he's who's looking at notes on the music stand? You who's know? interrupting I, the music? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm I'm exaggerating slightly, but uh, hey, why can't I? Well, what? Okay, so your role is this research, exegesis, but then you're also teaching. You're teaching this, this going deeper. How many years does that go on, that particular Sunday night? Ooh. Um, <clears throat> I should be able to identify that. I think that was possibly uh, 15 years. 15 years, 15 okay. to 20 years. I mean, almost not the entire time I was there. So it must have been like 15 to 17 years. Okay. And when or how does that end, or does that end? You, it comes to its ending, and in, in in what way? Well, um, I I became pretty much. Uh, in fact, my, Kathy and I both pretty much became a stick in the mud uh, that we were not uh, not going with the church uh, mega church thing anymore. Um, in in terms of. You know, we'd have staff meetings, and we'd say, well, what do we want to do for Thanksgiving? And somebody would say, well, we want to serve chocolates. And I'd say, well, we want to teach the Word. <laughs> and I'd go, who are you? You know, <laughs> and, and, and that, again, that's, uh, yeah. that's historical, and I'm not trying to uh, slam anybody. But, um, you know, I, I had, ex- had frustrations with, uh, with our change from the Word. And, and in part, I always thought, we should encourage people to to do the pathway to spiritual maturity should have been Sunday morning and then people add Sunday night right. uh, and and uh, I never could get a total buy-in on that you know we just th- amongst the staff as far yeah. as just the flow yeah of how the Chuck Smith is. Jr. always was very gracious towards Sunday night he always uh, every year I remember he'd give these glowing 
uh, announcements about what we were doing Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but it still you know it wasn't really emphasized and there was a lot of a lot of pressure for the competing events and stuff. So, right. at what point do you uh, realize it's just not the style of ministry for you or the place? Um, where you're going to be able to continue to do what you feel called to do. When they told me to go. <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, you know, Kathy had always said, well, you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to be there one, one day shorter than what the Lord wants you to be there. Right. And just keep teaching the Word and, and be there. And, and, uh, and that's, that was our goal, to just wait for the Lord. And, and uh, I did not want to be a senior pastor or start a church. And, and, uh, and, and then uh, it was just like, you know, you're done here, go. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so then we had another time of soul searching and praying. And, uh, and that was probably a, a really low point in my personal life. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I felt, uh, I, I felt like I didn't know where I would go next, and um, the Lord rescued me out of the the pit of despair. Mm. Um, and it was it was kind of deeply personal. I mean, I had given up an IT career, right. uh, and uh, and I had developed the skills of ministry, which I I got a lot of skills that way watching uh, watching Chuck Smith Jr. Uh, watching him with his professionalism, mm-hmm. uh, how you do ministry, and and uh, and I saw both the model of the small church and the big church, right. which I didn't realize till later. That was a that was a huge thing. So basically, the Lord uh, settled my soul down, said, "I'm not done with you yet." And uh, and then uh, uh, there were some miraculous things that started Zoe, uh, which were like. You know, they were like signs, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was we had a week off, and it was Kathy's birthday on Sunday, and then we were starting Zoe, and I was like, "Whoa, what's a, happening within here?" Within a week, within a week, <laughs> and I wasn't looking. And you weren't okay. trying to do that. So, yeah. so a man, uh, the last night of our Sunday night, yeah. uh, the last night, uh, it was his first time ever at Sunday night. He brought his wife and kids, and he loved it, and and he was a realtor. And he said, this can't stop. And uh, so he's out there looking for, for properties and, and uh, looking for places to lease. And he gives me a call uh, a couple days after my final Sunday night. And he said, you know, I found a place for you. And I said, yeah, but uh, Jerry, I, we, don't, we don't have any money. <laughs> you know, so yeah, you found a place, but right. I, there's nothing there. And so I went and saw the place. And I just remember him. It was on the corner of... Uh, Ortega Highway on Rancho, uh, Rancho Margarita, or whatever. Just across from where we are now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, next to that uh, elaborate house that's there, and and I remember this traffic all around town, everywhere, and uh, and I see Jerry uh, waving on the <laughs> over here, over here, and I go upstairs and, and look at the place. And it's like this will seat a hundred people or whatever, and it's like this is great, but. And the landlord's there negotiating. Oh, wow. And I said, well, we don't have any money. And he said, well, do you have good credit? And I said, well, I paid, I paid my bills. I mean, I don't know what that means. Like personal credit, so he, gets, yeah. he has a little laptop computer. He gets on there. He goes, you're good. We'll, we'll lease this to you. For what? <laughs> like, just a monthly payment. You know, it's like month to month. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, next thing you know, we're, we're putting a crew together, we're painting the walls, and, wow. and uh, we called up for rental chairs, and we did that for like a year. We rented chairs and had them hauled in and hauled out every week, and and we were off and running. And uh, so so the first task I had, I had to get the big church out of my blood. Hmm. I had uh, learned the big church, the feeling, the the threats, the security of it. Uh, everything about ministry in me had transferred into the big church mindset. Mm-hmm. I remember this uh, uh, this interview with a guy from from Willow Creek, where he's talking about sitting in in the in the um, stadium or in the uh, theater like environment, waiting for the service to begin. And he's counting the people coming in, and he's wondering if they're going to have a big crowd because they got to have a big crowd. And I remember those feelings. I remember the feelings of, oh, no, we, we've got to keep growing because we don't keep growing. We're going to start cutting. And if we start cutting, oh, we've got to grow. Wow. And, and just feelings, yeah. you know. And it, it took me I, it took me a while. I had to start getting that out of out of my system, out of my blood. And, and it took, I'd say it took years to get that out of my blood. I mean, I started out thinking, uh, uh, you know, we, we got to have awesome worship. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and we really didn't have to have awesome worship. We needed authentic worship uh, rather than awesome worship. And, but, um, I didn't have that yet out of my blood. I, I loved uh, the I loved the type of worship that you kind of rock out on, you know. But um, it took me years to get some of this stuff out of out of my blood. And then in retrospect, now I have a picture of the small church and the big church. Mm. I have memories. I've been through both of them, and uh, and I feel like uh, I've I've uh, gained so much by the experience. And, uh, and I really believe in the small church, as you know, you've heard me um, yeah, yeah. Uh, say it in private many times. Um, I, I feel like um, this is where I can be effective. This is where the word can thrive. And this is where uh, people can come without pretension and, and, and be a part of a community of faith and really gain so much uh, by the by the word and, and through the ministry of the word. And, with, and so as far as your focus at Zoe, so once Zoe gets started, I mean, you're talking about years of working through things you've learned in a different form that you're letting go of or changing how you see those things. Um, would you say that your, I mean, how does, I mean, so much of Zoe seems to be practically leading you um, as much as you leading it. Um, as far as the Lord just having this for you um, before you were asking for anything, the leasing, you know, just the way it starts. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that that is in part what it felt like, that the Lord was just leading you so like sort of through a detox kind of thing? Or did a couple things get pretty clear early and you knew, okay, this is the sort of, I don't want to say the vision, but the vision for what this ministry is about and what it's not about? Um, was it just getting a couple things squared away early on that gave you some kind of compass, you and Kathy, just being able to move forward? Honestly, Dave, um, I think God in his sense of humor and his, in his memory, uh, when we first started Zoe w- with the no funds and with all the advice of people, I mean, we had a prophetess in our midst. A prophetess, was, yeah. A prophetess who said... Just showed up. 
Uh, no, she had been showing up on Sunday nights, and and uh, she she came and and she said that uh, we needed to just do service on Sunday night. And I think it's because so that she could come to the service and stay where she was at. <laughs> but she said we wouldn't last more than a year if we tried to compete with Sunday morning service in Orange County. I see, and uh, that we'd be out of business in a year. And uh, and she was very bold about that prophecy, you know. So what it did to me is I I took on this uh, almost this uh, teen challenge mentality of mm. of God, you've got to come through. And I remember reading the stories of Teen Challenge where the rent would be due and people yeah. would be bringing <laughs> checks at the last minute, and uh, you know Wilkerson would finally just go, God is in this, you know. Yeah. And I and I. I remember prayers of God. I don't mind if, if, as long as you hold us up, I don't mind if we go through that kind of drama. And He keeps putting us through that kind of drama <laughs> say, all the that time. That sounds like this year, John. <laughs> yeah. It's just like our, our, is this it? You know, and and uh, and 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 I think it's God answering that prayer. You know, and and uh, and just like keeping us humble, keeping us always realizing. You know, I, I mean, this is. Orange County. I mean, this is like the 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 biggest of the big ministries are here, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh, so um, so our existence and and the way in which we, we you know we have to stay committed to the word, so we're not going to be trying to um, uh, uh, rope in people for their money or anything like that. You know, right. it's got to be. Uh, you know, heartfelt, and it's got to be the ministry of the Lord, and it has been. I mean, there have been the miracles that you'd expect, and and the last minute things that mm-hmm. uh, that that have kept us for the fourteen years, and and now in our fifteenth year, uh, but still, like just day to day, really, kind of in a way. Thank you so much for joining us today, everybody. If you found any of this interesting, we do hope you will share the podcast, that you will rate us on iTunes with those five sweet stars, and and that you will subscribe, and that you will tell your friends and your neighbors and your relatives and your mother Lois to subscribe, and your sweet, sweet grandmother, old grandmother Eunice. Eunice should definitely subscribe. Until next time, may you live well think well, and love well. Godspeed.